0: Welcome to another edition of the Hidden Layers Podcast, where we talk about all the exciting ways marketing, data, and deep learning are colliding. This year, we've been focusing on brands and how their marketing needs are merging with AI capabilities. And today, we're thrilled to have Mark Fine from the Brooklyn Nets on the program. Mark is head of marketing for the Nets, where he oversees all the team's consumer, brand, retail, merchandise, and merchandise marketing. Fan engagement and digital and social media in both English and Chinese. In this role, he utilizes data and analytics to determine the best games, the messaging, and audiences to reach with the go-to-market advertising and promotional strategies. He's had a long career in sports marketing and was most recently the executive director of marketing for the METS, M-E-T-S, for six years. And he's also an adjunct professor at Kingsborough College Community College in Brooklyn, New York right near uh, Barclays Center, where he teaches the principles of marketing. Welcome to Hidden Layers, Mark. Jeremy, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, very excited to have you on. And uh, before we begin, just wanted to thank you very much. Thank you to the Nets for being a decent team for New York City basketball fans. You know, the Manhattan team that will not be named today is has not been doing so well over the last few years, so it's, it's nice to have the Nets across the way. Barclays is an amazing arena. It's got great food, great seating, everything. So I just wanted to quickly congratulate you also on making the playoffs this year.
1: Well, we'll see. Uh, we're not there yet. It's a matter of uh, determining you know, how the regular season gets finished uh, and what the playoffs would look like. There are a bunch of scenarios that are out there, so – Probably a premature congratulations at this point, but we are in position uh, to make the playoffs uh, for the second consecutive year, which is which is fantastic.
0: Yeah, well, got it. God, that's right. I'd forgotten that they haven't decided whether to cut off the regular season yet or not. And, of course, the, the longer they delay to get to, towards the playoffs, the more likely it is that Kevin Durant might be able to uh, join you guys this year, which was uh, not, not necessarily something that was going to happen.
1: That I can tell you uh, on the marketing side, uh, I don't have uh, I don't have much knowledge either way if that's going to happen. But I will say that Kevin has been, uh, along with Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan, have have certainly helped this marketing guy out. You know, I've gotten a lot smarter after we acquired those three guys.
0: Yeah, it's going to be big things in the future for the Nets. It's uh, it's exciting for New York City. All right, let's get down to business. So I I named, in my opinion, a lot of different things, a lot of different products and a lot of different businesses that you're responsible for marketing. A lot of different business models, etc. So can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to be Mark fine on a daily basis? You know, what, how are you dealing with all these different lines of businesses and mediums and all these kinds of things?
1: That is a tremendous question, one that uh, I'm sure my wife would uh, be interested to see the answer on. But uh, in regards to the business side of, of what it's like to be in our marketing department and be in our organization, it's exciting because you know we really see ourselves as a, a brand with so much upside. Uh, we've been in Brooklyn now for eight seasons. We see ourselves representing the borough and all that it offers uh you know it's a it's a melting pot of diversity creativity and culture and we see that with our brand and it's exciting to go to work every day with that in mind that you know our two goals i mean yes we want to obviously generate revenue and fill up you know the seats when hopefully we're going to be able to fill up eighteen thousand seats in the in the uh, 2021 season but we want to just, we want to build fandom. You know, one thing that i to continually say to our marketing group and across the organization is we're young. You know, we're not a heritage brand like most of the other New York teams are. So mom and dad didn't go uh, to Brooklyn Nets games when they were younger. Likely they've lived in the borough or they moved out to the borough and they were a fan of another team. Uh, so it's really important for us to hit up junior uh you know boy or girl at, at a very young age so we can really build their fandom we've got a long way to go with that i think the additions that i mentioned with kevin Durant, kyrie irving deandre jordan uh, mixed along with you know some of uh you know, the, the great players that we, you know, that we're currently in our roster, including, you know, Dinwiddie, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris, you know, along with Jared Allen, you know, that makes for a good mix. And we've got to build uh, on that. These it's it, when you have one of the best players or two of the best players really in the NBA come to your franchise and say, hey, I want to be part of this. I really like, you know, what you're building. I understand the culture that you're building. You know, that is, excites us on the business side. So we really see ourselves as just a brand that has so much opportunity and we're in growth mode. You know, our, our ownership group, Joe Tsai, he took over majority ownership in mid-September. He was a co-founder of Alibaba. So, I mean, he's an incredible asset to, to say the least is he an, an incredible asset. He's, he's a tremendous person and humanitarian and business person. And uh, it's an exciting time to be part of the Brooklyn
0: Nets. You know, they, they are, like you said, they're young, but they've been pretty successful at becoming a lifestyle brand. Do you credit some of that to, to Jay-Z being involved at the early, at the, in, in the early time? I mean, he's still, he's still a part of Barclays. He, he had to sell out of the Nets, but do you feel like that, was, that has set the tone and continues to set the tone as sort of an urban – and hip-hop type of uh, brand or, or or not?
1: Well, I think that, first, uh, to answer your question, yes, I think that Jay-Z unveiling our New Jersey uh, on stage, yeah, absolutely set the tone for our franchise that we are going to represent Brooklyn and the borough and the diversity that that is Brooklyn. You know, when people say where they're from, they don't necessarily say Queens or the Bronx, but they do say Brooklyn. You're not from New York. You're from Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn transcends all over the world and you know what Brooklyn means and the, the brand Brooklyn, I think we're a big part of it. And Jay-Z having launched that back in 2012 with our Jersey release was the start of that. And since then, you know, we think it's really evolved. I mean, just this previous two years, this season and last season, we struck up an incredible relationship with the notorious B.I.G. estate, Biggie's mom, uh, who, who, you know, who gave clearance for us to, you know, incorporate, you know, Biggie's lifestyle and uh, inside of our jerseys and on our court. And as part of all our our overall brand mix, we had what was called a a city edition Jersey. That's something that Nike came out with a few years back that every team in the NBA would have what's called a city edition Jersey. And the last two years, our city edition jersey has been Notorious B.I.G. themed. So we, we used kind of, uh, what we call Brooklyn camo uh, in the jersey last year in 1819. And we had a specifically designed court then come out, come along this year uh, using the Brooklyn camo. And then our, our guys were wearing a jersey with bedsty uh, written across it. And we were able to utilize you know, Biggie's imagery and his music uh, across all of our platforms, you know, that's one example of, of us, you know, we're incredibly lucky in Brooklyn that we have, you know, so much talent and not just, not just from hip hop in other genres as well, that as we, you know, move forward, you know, we'll be highlighting. So uh, we're very fortunate to have brand Brooklyn on our side. And that I think is what, um, you know, we decided, and really before my time, the the uh, the group that came here and did an incredible job at the launch, they decided that this is what how how we're going to differentiate ourselves. We're not just going to be another New York team. We're going to represent Brooklyn and all that's great about Brooklyn, you know, culturally, and that's going to be our brand essence.
0: Essence. Yeah, it seems to have been a great move because. You know, I think, I think what Brooklyn as a population would be the fourth or fifth largest city in the country, you know, so it's not, it's no slouch as uh as its own name of geography. It's actually just another quick aside from the sports business. It's an interesting comparison case to the Islanders who are now leaving Barclays to go back to unquote Long Island. They didn't do any of that, right? They didn't adopt a new brand. They didn't, they just moved homes. And it doesn't seem to have been as successful as uh, as the Nets have been in adopting Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the Islanders are a heritage brand, and their heritage was out here in the island. And I say here because I live in, in Long Island right now. When I moved, I moved up here from Baltimore seven years ago to take the New York Mets job, as you mentioned. So we planted ourselves here in Long Island, which was a which was a quicker commute to City Field than it is the Barclays Center, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you look at, at their brand, uh, they're heavily rooted in the island. You know, for us, you know, we were in New Jersey and, um, you know, uh, the ownership group at the time made the move. They saw Brooklyn as an opportunity ripe right for the taking and it's really paid off. And now I think, you know, even only eight years in, which in marketing terms, it's, it's infantile, right? I mean, there's so much. I mean, I, having worked at the New York Mets, like the the brand of the Mets and the heritage that goes along with it and the world series wins in 69 and 86, you know, we had statistics that showed us the best age to win a world series where you're going to be a fan, just an avid fan for the rest of your life is age eight. And then if you looked at, you know, our season ticket base at the New York Mets, having won world series in 69 and 86, you could see that those people were around age eight at the time, <laughs> those World Series yeah. were won and, and season ticket holders at the Mets. So, you know, for us, we've started fresh in a sense in Brooklyn. And I think it was important to us and it's something that we carry over uh, to this day, you know, that we have to work to really take over that market, to, to take over this market. You know, the New York DMA was heavily covered by certainly the Knicks because, you know, we weren't there, we were in New Jersey. Now being in Brooklyn, it's an opportunity for us to really put our roots down, and I think over the eight years, and I really can't take much credit for this because I've only been with the team about fifteen months at this point, but the organization has done a fantastic job of putting those roots down, and I think it's it's my job uh, along with our marketing team's job you know to build upon that and to continue to grow that um, so that we can you know be a, a brand that is loved not only uh, here in New York, but uh, throughout the world. I mean, we look at China as a, as a great opportunity for us. Our owner, Joe Tsai, obviously uh, Alibaba's business is rooted in uh, Hanzhou, uh China. And we were out there uh, in October and we saw that as an opportunity for us to really grow our brand out there. So along with other places internationally where the NBA is uh, very popular. So it's an incredible brand to be a part of, and it's an incredible league. I mean, the NBA is just—it's a dynamic league, and um, you know, I think the the league office just does, does an incredible job of communicating externally and internally, and that's that's contributed a lot to their success.
0: So you have a broad spectrum of businesses, opportunities. You're going internationally. You're trying to build this new brand. You know, one of the reasons we asked you on the show was because we understand that you've been using AI and advanced sort of data and analytics technologies to help you boost revenue. Can you talk a little bit about how you're using technology right now in your marketing effort?
1: Yeah, in specifics with artificial intelligence, you know, I've had, I had the opportunity uh, a while back uh, to work with a company called Conversica, who actually the Sacramento Kings, uh, you know, first found them. And uh, the Kings have a business model out there where they, I believe, they invest in some up and up and coming businesses, and um, Conversica was one of those. And what we saw with them, this is during my time with the New York Mets, is uh, that you know we were doing a lot of things from a marketing standpoint, particularly when it came to Facebook and Instagram leads, you know, just lead generation, and we were getting a lot of leads in. However, maybe. of those were really solid leads for our premium opportunities. Premium being suites, even season ticket memberships, where at the Brooklyn Nets, that's 41 regular season games. At the New York Mets, that's 81 regular season games. So that 5% is really good. I mean, we want to get to those 5% of people who are really warm uh, slash hot leads that we can transfer over to a season ticket membership. However, 95% of those leads uh, aren't as good or might just be looking for a single game, might be looking for something else altogether. So how do we get to that 5% in a timely and efficient manner? And that's where, you know, working with Conversica at the New York Mets, we created a bot, uh, her name, we called her, uh, was Sarah Brooks. And I remember like the recommendation at the time was that It'd be a fee, you know, the bot be a female, the bot be, you know, anywhere from 25 to 30 years old. You could use a stock photo if you needed to uh, of this person. And what Sarah did is that we would let's say we ran a Facebook leads campaign, you know, for the month of uh, August. I'm going to use NBA season, you know, for the month of August, we were looking to gather leads as we were about to go. you we were in the off season, you know, the season's about to start in a couple of months, we would uh, give Sarah, the bot, those leads and have her kind of as our, I, I she was titled like a fan services representative. And she would email those potential leads in hopes of setting up an appointment with one of our uh, sales representatives. So, and Sarah became smarter as she, she would be able to go back and forth, not just with that initial email, which was somewhat of a cold, colder email, but she would be able to kind of go back and forth and converse so that eventually we were able to get those warm leads over to our ticket sales representatives and they weren't necessarily wasting their time. You know, cold calling all of these people that may not necessarily be interested or have the ability to purchase a season ticket membership. That's an example of how we've used artificial intelligence, or how I've been a part of uh, artificial intelligence uh, findings uh, throughout my career. And it's something that I know that we're going to be looking at here at the Brooklyn Nets. You know, as we move forward, and once you know, hopefully, once we get into a position where. You know, we are uh, better off with uh, being able to have full houses again uh, at Barclays Center. But that's an example is, again, being able to use, you know, the bot to do the work for you. And I know our reps over at the Mets really enjoyed that because uh, they were speaking to somebody who was far more likely to buy a, a ticket purchase, uh, a season ticket package than um, you know, some of these other leads. I mean, you want as a marketer, you want to deliver as many leads as you can. However, you want those to be solid leads and you don't want to have to necessarily comb through all those leads in order to get to the gold. So this is this
0: is a way to get to the gold quicker. Absolutely. And and look, COVID aside, you know, what what have been the, the biggest challenges that you face in marketing these season individual tickets? Uh uh you know the luxury box market seems to have collapsed over the last what 10 or 15 years because the entertainment tax deduction regulations changed you know how 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 are you spending most of your time from a revenue goal perspective from a, and, and where the challenges are you
1: know i think it's interesting because if if you go around the league maybe 10 years ago you weren't going to see your head of marketing be being as consumer market focused and that's where you know, I've always, that's been, I guess you would say my claim to fame is that I grew up with a company called Comcast Spectacore, who owns the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, At the time, they owned the Sixers. They still own the Flyers. And I kind of cut my teeth in consumer marketing with them. And I moved over to the Harlem Globetrotters, where my job was to take you know our shows at different major cities across the country and put an advertising and promotional plan together to sell tickets to a specific date That's how I got to the Mets and that's how I got to the nets uh, ultimately is that that sort of has been my background. I will say that maybe ten years ago you had very brand specific marketers at the helm of a uh, of a sports organization, but now you're starting to see that sway over to the consumer side because generating revenue and generating revenue through ticket sales is supremely important. I think that you're seeing out there right now in both major league baseball and the NBA, just how important those game day experiences are as was you know, publicly reported by both leagues. You know, that's about 40% of, of overall business is the game day experience, selling tickets, selling merchandise, food and beverage, parking, uh, and the like that go into that. So, you know, I think the big challenge, you know, for us is a season ticket member, you know, that's, that's an important fan to, to us because that's a fan who is committing to, to us, you know, 41 nights out of the year. They're making a, com- a commitment to our culture, to our brand, to our organization. So, you know, for us, it's very important that we make for a frictionless experience so that their process is really easy. They feel like it's a personal process and they're really getting to know our organization. I can say, you know, right now we're doing things with our season ticket members by having, you know, exclusive uh, content delivered to them, exclusive player Q and A's we've gifted uh, our season ticket members with uh, care packages that have included, Uh, a thermometer. And, and actually we changed out our court uh, over last off season. So we cut up pieces of our court and actually ship them, um, you know, pieces of our court that they can use on their, on their, wherever their trophy set is uh, at their home. So it's very important that the customer service aspect
0: of a season ticket membership plan is, is serviced well. Yeah. And speaking of COVID, I'm sure your strategies have changed. You know, what's going on now? What are you focused on? And, and talk to us about this unpre- unpredictable future of when we come back, if fans come back. Uh, how how are you guys dealing with that?
1: You know, so it, it, as here I am just telling you about how important our ticket sales business is, and it's incredibly important. However, for us, we have to also, you know, prepare for you know, every scenario. So it's even more important right now, I would say, is that, you know, our, our outgoing content strategy it has to be on point. We have to use our social media channels to be fun, uh, engaging, uh, lighthearted to a degree, but also, you know, recognize the great folks in our community who are out there on the front lines doing yeoman's work. So a lot of my day is now focused on what our content strategy is. What our campaign theming would look like, you know, if we were to come back in, let's say, mid-July or August, whenever it is, to complete the 1920 season, and then what our campaign theme would be uh, as we go into 2021. So we are making sure you know that we have our content strategy buttoned up. And we also have to to make sure that you know we take the game experience if we were in a position where we were not. Uh, we were limited in the number of people who were, could come to the Barclays Center or could come to Barclays Center or who, you know, if we were playing in fanless environments, we, knew we want to be able to take that game experience and do our best to put it on our app, do our best to put it through our social and digital channels, and also be able to still take care of and provide value to our corporate partners who are incredible and have stayed with us over these last nine, 10 weeks We've we've got incredible corporate partners who are just good people and good partners to our business. You know, so for us, we want to create content that our partners can easily be a part of. That's where our focus has been. Like in terms of my what I'm doing today, that's where generally where my focus is.
0: And what would you say is a percentage of your of your budget is 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 put towards paid media versus you know earned media, the content strategies, using your app, social, et cetera.
1: You know, it's a good question because if you were to look all that up, actual, let's say traditional advertising dollars. And what I mean traditional is just your ad budget, your paid budget, which uh, about 70% of our paid budget uh, is through digital channels. SEM is included in that, uh, but you also have, you know, programmatic prospecting and retargeting and Facebook leads, as I mentioned, Facebook, Instagram leads, as I mentioned. That takes up about sixty-five to seventy percent of our overall advertising dollars. However, on traditional channels and even digital channels as well, you know, we'll uh, we will trade out, we will leverage uh, promote uh, as you say, earned media through promotion, and then of course, earned media through uh, you know, our corporate communication channels. We have an incredible PR department who is constantly. Let's say, you know, we have a, we recently, one of our last games, uh, March 6th, we had Dr. J out and we did a bobblehead with Dr. J. Dr. J is Black Panther, given to the first 10,000 fans in attendance. And our PR team was very involved because it was Dr. J's first visit to a Brooklyn Nets game. Dr. our PR team was very involved. In generating that earned media, so that you know we filled up seats that evening.
0: So speaking of that, actually, I wanted to get a little quickly back to uh, Kevin Durant on a personal note for me. And uh, before we started the uh, the podcast, I learned that you're from Maryland too. So I'm from Maryland. I'm from Montgomery County, right next to Prince George's County. And uh, Kevin Durant uh, has a has a new documentary coming out on on Showtime called Basketball Country. So I was wondering how or if uh, the next are involved in that, even though it's being done by his own company, you know, outside of official team responsibilities and things like that. How does all that work? And, and do you get to work that into your your PR strategy, too?
1: Yeah, I mean, Kevin is an incredible business person, uh, an entrepreneur, uh, and he and, and Rich Kleiman uh, put together the boardroom, as you probably know. It's, you know, really great content. And, you know, for us, not only with Kevin, but with all of our players when, you know, in terms of their business endeavors and their community endeavors, even more so, uh, you know, we utilize our channels to promote. So, you know, one thing we'll, we'll be sending out, um, you know, tune in messaging uh, to our base, you know, through email, and through social throughout the next couple days, uh, so that, you know, we can assist in, in helping Kevin get a, get a good audience uh, to watch the show. That's generally how we're involved. It's a private endeavor of, of Kevin's. So we're not necessarily involved in the creation of that. Uh, we're here to help,
0: uh, extend a hand in promoting those endeavors. It. well, I'm excited. You know, I grew up, Montgomery County has got its own share of, uh, NBA players, PG County is right next door. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it, I'm looking forward to that, um, to that documentary. So let's say COVID goes away. What's next on the horizon for Brooklyn Nets and, 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 and Mark Fine?
1: I think that's uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard question because I think we're all struggling with what that answer looks like, and it involves a lot of scenarios. I think for us, when we do get back to the court, regardless of how many people are able to attend our games... We still want fans to know that you know we are part of the community. We're a community player, and that Barclays Center is when we open our doors is going to be a safe environment for fans to enjoy uh, with their family and friends. That's what we're working towards right now. So we've obviously, as as a universe, have had to shift what the experience of attending a game uh, looks like. So it is going to be likely different. However, you know, that's what we're going to be adjusting to. And we, we, Barclays Center, I can assure our fans is going to be a very safe uh, environment uh, as people come back into, you know, our building.
0: Well, thank you very much, Mark. This has been an amazing look inside of what it's like to market an NBA sports team, exciting things on the horizon for the Nets, and, uh, let's, let's hope that COVID takes its course as soon as possible. Thank you again for being on this edition of Hidden Layers. And thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in. Thanks, Jeremy, for having me.